Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Galatians found on page 179 in your pew Bible. Let us pray. Holy God, grant us your Holy Spirit now. Open these words to us and open our hearts to receive as we come to you in Christ's name. Amen. Reading the letter to the Galatians is like watching one side of an arm wrestling match. For the author, the Apostle Paul, is straining for all he is worth to lead, to draw, to cajole the people here in Galatia to stay in the way of Jesus. His opposition, the people who are pushing against him, are believers who have named Jesus as their Lord, but they have now added a long list of other duties and rituals and rules that they believe everybody has to follow in order to measure up. They seem to be competing with each other constantly and with Paul to see who can be the most scrupulous with their religious to-do list. And they are keeping score. They are keeping score on each other so that they know who is on first and what's on second. And of course, they see themselves as hitting the home run. Paul thinks all that is nonsense and worse. He thinks it's a form of slavery to old ways and that it misses the freedom to live joyfully in the way of Christ. Let us listen to this portion of chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 1. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore. Do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Verse 16. Live by the Spirit, I say. Do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh, meaning the ego or the self, desires is opposed to the spirit and what the spirit desires is opposed to the flesh for these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want if you are led by the spirit you are not subject to the law now the works of the flesh the ego the self are obvious Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I'm warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such as these. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us be guided by the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The ancient world of the Roman Empire was very religious. There were temples large and small all through the towns and the cities. 
On the corners of streets one could find marble carvings of the local favorite deities like Diana, the goddess of fertility, think Beyonce carved into stone, or Nike, the goddess of victory with the great wings on the back and people would go by and pat Nike for good luck on their way to a business meeting, or the head of Medusa with the snakes would be carved to scare away wicked people. If you've read Percy Jackson books or seen the movies, you know what I'm talking about. They were very religious and they had their gods all around them. A number of these were organized into secret societies and each one would welcome new people into their religious society there would be some sort of entrance step, a tattoo or a circumcision, maybe a ritual bath and a meal that was deemed to be a meal before the gods. And then there would be levels. The new people in the secret society would learn the secret rules, the secret phrases, the secret prayers. And over time they could work their way up the spiritual ladder so the Society of Osiris might have seven levels and the Society of Delphi might have ten levels. And clearly those who stood at the top of the ladder got to tell everyone else what to do. All this was very appealing because one knew where one stood with respect to the higher powers and to the other members. There are still plenty of secret societies and religious groups like this in our world today because it appeals to that part of our ego that wants to know exactly where we stand and how we measure up to other people. So Paul is afraid. He's afraid that these brothers and sisters in this congregation that he himself founded, he's afraid that they have fallen into a scorekeeping kind of religion, that they are turning from the free gift of God's welcome in Jesus, the open arms, and turning it into something to be bought and sold, something to be earned and framed and hung on a wall. There's way too much talk about self in this congregation. I, me, mine, my path, my progress, my talent, my standing. Way too much ego, which he calls the flesh or the old way. And not enough of God's grace at work through the Spirit. Jesus is no longer a savior. He's been turned into a magic valet to escort people up the ladder of personal achievement. Paul says there is indeed a way to measure how you're doing in the path of Jesus. And the measurement is not the number of rules you obeyed, not the number of levels you've climbed. The way to measure is the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. If you see jealousy, envy, quarreling, misconduct, then you know the spirit is not at work. If you see lust and envy and greed, then you know that's not the spirit of God. But if you see 
Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, generosity, faithfulness, self-control. Then you know you are on the way of Christ. For freedom Christ has set us free to love, to be joyful, to be patient with one another. Not to keep score, but to show kindness and goodness. Now I know that we have to have a certain number of rules and guidelines. We cannot operate as a community or a congregation or a family without some of them. Some people joke that where two or three Presbyterians are gathered together, someone writes a policy. In our families, we teach our children manners and chores and a regular bedtime and good behavior. You know, use your words instead of yelling or hitting or carry your plate into the kitchen after the meal. The struggle is to teach the rules of good behavior without giving the message that children must earn our love. The struggle is to make them know that they are loved while helping them grow up into what is good. This week at the Wednesday staff meeting, Rosalind Bambury brought this story and read it to us and I'd like to share it with you. It's called Category 5. I suppose it was bound to happen. School started up. The week was hectic. My son couldn't find his favorite stuffed animal. And then I set the dreaded timer. Five minutes to bath time. Tick, tick, tick. Bing. Okay. Time to stop playing. Take a bath. You can play a little later. At that point, the meltdown came. The ticking bomb exploded. My young son snapped over having to stop what he was doing to head upstairs to the tub. What ensued was one of those dreaded hair on fire, smoke out of the ears, screaming, wailing, flopping on the floor meltdowns, complete with the announcement, you are so mean. In our house we call this a category five. I calmly walked down to the kitchen pretending to not be upset by the unfolding drama and thankful for the fact that it was happening in our house and not in the middle of Target. <laughs> the theatrics continued with stomping all the way upstairs. I then made my way up there and somehow I got him into and out of the tub while the weeping and the gnashing of teeth continued. And I said very softly, take a deep breath, breathe, peace, Peace. He rolled his eyes in response and let out a big sarcastic groan. And he said, you mean pieces? Now I'll be honest with you, the eye rolling stuff really gets to me. It just crawls under my skin. I thought about the water in that tub and maybe just sticking his head under there. I was tired. I was bewildered as to how... Our peaceful little evening had gone from bliss to chaos, all because of personal hygiene. 
And somehow I knew that wagging my finger and getting all hot and bothered was not going to help. Somewhere between giving in and going off as a crazy mom, a little light bulb went off in my head. I knew I could scold him for all the screaming and yelling, that I could give my own eye-rolling and my own sarcasm, or I had a choice. I could surprise him. I could surprise him with grace. I could meet his anger without anger and try to reflect God's steady love toward him even when he was being ugly. So I took a deep breath. I just sat down on the bathroom floor and I held out my arms. Mad but exhausted, my little boy wrapped in a towel fell into my lap and he lay there like a rag doll, sniffling. I said, I love you, buddy, I love you, I love you, I love you. He started to say something. I could tell he was revving up for one more wisecrack. But he stopped and he took a breath. And he just lay in my arms with his eyes closed and let out a big sigh. The fruit of the Spirit with us is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Sometimes we are so full of burdens that everything comes out sideways. Sometimes the week is hectic and the day is long and we can't find our favorite stuffed animal. And we're sick of people telling us what to do and when to do it. Sometimes we all get to the end of our rope and find a little rage waiting there. And sometimes the only answer is to crawl into loving arms, to breathe, and even to weep. In the aftermath of the category five, my son opened his eyes and he said, I'm okay. And he jumped up and he put on pajamas and ran downstairs and joined a game of Uno, happy as he could be. Did he walk away consciously aware of God's love and grace? No, I don't think so. But the laughter and the silliness as we played cards was a prayer answered. And together we said our bedtime prayers and there were hugs all around. Even when we are at our ugliest, God pours out grace upon grace, peace upon peace. God opens God's arms and lets us cry it out in the safety of God's embrace. The purpose of fruit on every tree and vine is the same. The purpose of fruit is to spread the seeds, to start new growth. Whether we are dealing with a four-year-old or a 40-year-old, if we return tantrum for tantrum, envy for envy, anger for anger, we spread the seeds of our selfish ego what Paul calls the flesh, the old way. 
But if we make way for God's Spirit to help us, surprising moments of grace begin to grow from the seeds. For freedom Christ has set us free. Free from slavery to our ego, to our defensiveness, to our selfishness. Freedom from old rules of competition and scorekeeping. In God's love, we are free from religion as a way to measure other people. We are free to receive love, joy, peace, and freely give it away. This is the work of the Holy Spirit among us. And this is good news. Having heard.